Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Today, Kim has a wonderful guest, and that is Joe Keefe. Kim, why'd you bring Joe on the show today? Well, I decided to bring Joe on because Joe, I have to say, one of my heroes in the sustainable investing world because nice. he is a champion of women's equality in this field. And, and I say that because as a man championing women's equality, I, I find that to be very admirable. And so I wanted to talk with Joe about that and have him tell us about him and what he's doing in this, in this arena. Absolutely. I'm excited. I'm, I'm here to learn. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Sounds good. Yeah. Welcome, Joe. Thank you, Kim. Good to be with you. Yeah. So I'm really, really excited to have you on here and tell us about who you are and what you're doing and a little bit of your background. And I, I just want to tell people, I'm going to tell people a little bit about who you are and what you're doing, and then you can fill in some of the blanks too. But Joe is the president of a, a mutual fund that we do use, Impacts Asset Management, LLC. And uh, what I love about Impacts is they're actually located in New Hampshire, right? That's correct. Yeah. So um, tell us why New Hampshire. New Hampshire just happened to be where we were founded. You know, the, the funds that we manage are called the Pax World Funds. The name of the company is Impacts. They're very similar but different. But the Pax World Funds were actually formed in 1971 by two United Methodist ministers who wanted to start a fund that did not support the Vietnam War and did not, did, did not invest in weapons, hence the name Pax, which is Latin for peace. And these two ministers found a gentleman who was a money manager to, to manage the money, and he happened to be located in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Neither one of them were. One was from Baltimore, one was from Boston. But we started in Portsmouth way back then, and we're still here today. And I have been president since uh, 2005, so almost 15 years ago, I came on board to run the company. That's, that's great. And, and so you get to live in the wonderful little town of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, right? It's a great place. It really is. Yeah, I've never been there. I'm going to have I've actually never been to New Hampshire, so I'm going to have to make my way out there sometime. So, that would be great. But I I decided to have you on my podcast today because as I said, you are really one of the biggest cheerleaders of women in this space that I know. And every time I've heard you talk at a conference or, you know, any any venue, whatever your topic is, you somehow bring it around to talk about having women in leadership and women in the C-suite and, and why that's important and, and really focus on that in, in some way. And so uh, I, I find that really admirable and, and believe that you believe that that is incredibly important. I believe it's important as well. And so I really wanted to have you on and talk about that. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. I was reading up a, a little bit more about you because I didn't know a lot about your background. I found it really interesting that you have a bachelor's degree in philosophy, 
And I, I don't know if you know this, you probably do, but Johan, my business partner, has a PhD in philosophy. And I did know finds, that, yes. Yeah, yeah. He's, he finds that really useful in this business. And so I'm sure you do as well. And then before you got into sustainable investing, you were a practicing attorney. So I'm right. wondering, do you find those two things useful in your current job? The philosophy I do. and the attorney? I, I do. You know, uh, philosophy obviously is about ideas and it's about truth. And it's about a lot of really important things. And I enjoyed studying philosophy and it really opened up worlds to me. And I think in many ways taught me how to think. And then I went to law school. And if there's one thing law school does, also it trains you how to think. It trains you how to argue, how to persuade. And I find that in running a mutual fund company that focuses on sustainable investing and really trying to use investments to make social progress on, on a range of issues from gender equality to climate change and so forth. But having a background in the law, having a background in philosophy is helpful because what we're talking about are ideas and we're trying to persuade, we're trying to persuade investors. We're trying to persuade regulators. We're trying to make social environmental progress. And you do that really through persuading people. And so if you can speak, if you can write, and if you can deal with ideas and persuade others of the power of your ideas and make a compelling case for what you want to achieve. Those are all great tools to have. And so I, I really think my training in philosophy and law just has come in so handy as a business leader, and particularly in the type of business we do where we focus on sustainability and sustainable development and, and environmental and social progress. Thinking, uh, we don't have enough people thinking these days. So I, I'm all for <laughs> That's that. That's clear. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I found very interesting about your background is that you had a run for Congress in the 90s. So how did that spur you into the field of sustainable investing? In fact, it, it really did. And it's, it's interesting. I, I ran for Congress in, in New Hampshire. I actually ran more than once, but the last time I ran was in 1996. And I lost a very close election to a gentleman by the name of John Sununu, who then became a senator. And his father was President Bush's chief of staff. His brother, Chris Sununu, was now governor of New Hampshire. So the Sununus are a big name in New Hampshire. And I just barely lost an election to him. New Hampshire was a very Republican state in those days. And I was a Democrat, so I did pretty well even coming close. But after the election, I was back at my law firm. When out of the blue, I got a call from a woman who owned a fund called Citizens Fund. Her name was Sophia Collier. And she just knew me as a sort of a public figure. She had seen me on TV and so forth. She lived in New Hampshire. And she said, I'd like to talk to you. And so we had lunch. And she was looking at that time for someone to be legal counsel for her firm. And she was also looking for someone to head up marketing and sales. And she had seen me on TV and thought, oh, this guy can speak and persuade he's a candidate for office he could probably market and sell and that was a sustainable <laughs> investing firm and so right you know i i found it very interesting and the sustainable investing piece really appealed to my change the world genes and, and those those genes are what got me into politics i wanted to change the world and change the world you know, i decided yeah. well yeah i was decided I, I i was unsuccessful politically but maybe i can change the world in other ways and i hope and i've been trying to do that ever since through the investment field and through sustainable investing on issues like gender equality and climate change and so forth. So it was a very serendipitous call and it changed my career, it changed my life and politics, but my, my political campaign led to it because that's how she knew about me. 
That's that's great. Yeah. So that sort of spurred you into this into this field, and um, yeah, I think a lot of us kind of come to this field somewhat by accident, but it speaks to our heart, and and yes. that that seems like that's what happened with you too. So that's what happened to me. I, I sort of fell into it twenty years ago. So, yeah. 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 And it, it, one of the things that I do really admire about you is that this is a a, a heart thing for you because I, I I see that in the work that you're doing and. In, in your your drive to really move the needle for gender equality because you really do speak to that every time I hear you talk. It it really is a, a drive for you. And and how did that become a focus for you in in your sustainable investment career? How how did that become the the needle driver? Well it's interesting. I, I actually think Kim that Probably the two greatest issues confronting the human community today are climate change, which is an existential crisis for the planet, for every species that lives on the planet, including our own, and gender equality, which is the great human rights issue of our time where half the human race is held back in terms of educational opportunities, job opportunities, employment, through you know, discrimination, and through violence. And I believe if we can get these two issues right— that they can help lead to the greatest period of prosperity in the history of the planet. And that really it's our generation's responsibility to get them right. And on the gender equality piece, it's interesting. I came to that. I happened to be reading a book and I know it was about 25 years ago because my daughter was just born at that point. So I had a new daughter and I was reading a book that was called the wealth and poverty of nations. And it was about precisely what the title sounds like. It was about why some nations are rich and other nations are poor. And there was a chapter in that book that just struck me because it talked about how the best clue to a nation's growth and development potential is the status and role of women and girls. If girls have educational opportunities, if women have employment opportunities, if girls and women have the same educational and economic opportunities as men, those societies are more prosperous. And where women are denied those rights, those societies are poorer. And I thought at the time, I remember I was just getting into the investment field, making that switch from practicing law to investment, thinking, well, if that's true about nations and macroeconomics, maybe it's true about companies and microeconomics too. And maybe mm. companies that do better by women actually can perform better. And that idea sort of started to germinate. And next thing you know, when I came here, we bought a fund that had just been launched a few years before that focused on investing in companies that were better for women. And we built that fund into what's now called the Pax Elevate Global Women's Leadership Fund, and it focuses on investing in the best companies in the world in terms of advancing women. And then we do all kinds of shareholder engagement around gender issues as well. In addition to offering that fund, we, we file shareholder resolutions with companies on pay equity. We, we, we focus on issues such as you know, gender-based violence. We focus on uh, issues, supply chain issues, discrimination against women in supply chains and so forth. And I really believe that this is something investors can and should be concerned about because the economics on it are clear. Every single study that I've seen practically, and I'm not talking about three or four or five studies, I'm talking about dozens and dozens and dozens of studies, say that where women are better represented on corporate boards, where women are better represented in corporate management, companies not only perform better, but all, other, all kinds of other good things happen. There's less discrimination. There's less sexual harassment. Uh, there's better wages, better pay equity, all kinds of salutary effects derived from having a more diverse leadership team at a company. And so that's something 
We should be promoting not only because it's the right thing to do from a normative or moral perspective, but it makes eminent business sense. So it's not only the right right. thing to do, it's a smart thing to do. And that's why I think investors need to get behind it. That's that's the thing I love is it's not, hey, there's a study out there that shows this. There are so many studies now that show that this is true. And absolutely, um, I, I don't know why there are some people who ignore this because um, it's not just we we're not just waving a single study. We're waving dozens of studies out there that say, "Look at the statistics here." You know, we we right. have these multiple statistics now that show that this is true. Exactly, and I, I'd actually go so far as to say, Kim, that at this point, the the evidence is beyond compelling. It is absolutely overwhelming. There is no right. doubt that where companies have more diverse leadership teams, they perform better. Case closed, full stop. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, so uh, I think originally you had this campaign called the Say No to All Male Boards. Is that still part of your process at PAX? So we did that back, now now we're going back, yeah, eight or 10 years ago. And what we tried to do at that point in time Kim was, you know, we always, when we voted our proxies, when we get a, when we get the proxy in the mail from a company for its annual general annual general meeting, if it if it has an all male board slate, we vote no. We oppose the board slate, but we knew we were a small fund company, and, and our voice wasn't as large as we would have liked it to be. So, what we did in the say no to all male boards campaign is we tried to enlist other asset managers to join us. Well, it's interesting. In those days, they all either ignored us or they said no, or they had their lawyers get back to us and say, oh, it's too much risk in that. We're only looking at finances. We're not looking at gender issues. But of course, now the world is caught up and really right. everyone, including Wall Street, gets the, the, gets that this has to happen and that it makes sense, again, from both a normative and a, and a business perspective. And so now... There aren't too many boards left in the S&P 500 that have no women on it. Now what we have to do is take the next step and get to parity. There's still only about 20% of uh, Fortune 500 board seats are held by women. You know, we need to move toward 50%. You know, I would love to have the problem that there's no longer performance advantage to investing in companies that have more women in leadership because all companies have women in leadership, so they're all the same. That would be a good thing, but we're still probably decades away from that. So we have a lot of work to do. Right. Yeah, it would be uh, an interesting dynamic to see that there's parity and oh, where do we go now? Yeah, um, pay equity. Uh, I think that's going to take a lot longer. Yeah, I think uh, the statistic is if we keep moving at the pace we're moving now, women will have pay equity, you know, 185 years from now. So you yeah. know, the prog- we're we're moving at a glacial pace, and. <laughs> that's not only wrong, but it really makes no sense because it's like we're tying one hand behind our back in terms of what that's doing to the global economy. I mean, yeah. you know, the the World Bank estimates that the global economy is losing about $160 trillion in wealth because of differences between earnings for men and women. Gender pay inequities really cost companies money. They cost societies money. They cost the global economy money. It makes no sense. So promoting gender pay equity is not only an issue of right and wrong, it's an issue that really is fundamental to our economic future. Right. Well, women generally have more say in household spending than men do. So that's right. It's a, it's a ridiculous thing to say we're going to pay women 
less than men because they, they really do have more control. So it's it's an interesting issue. And just to say it's at glacial pace is uh, interesting because the glaciers are actually going to probably melt faster than in <laughs> yeah. increasing women's pay at this, at, uh, in what we're doing in our um, climate change problems anyway. So. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know if you realize that I've been doing a podcast series on the, the UN's sustainable development goals um, over the past several months. And I have, a, I have many more to do, but I, I've been going through these and talking about them on my podcast. I was so I was thrilled to find that Impacts was uh, the sole funder of a $4 million three-year bond, which specifically highlights goal number five, to achieve gender equality. I wish I had known that before I, I did that, uh, did a podcast on, on goal number five, you know, to, to achieve gender equality and empower women and girls around the world. But I was very, very excited when I read that in preparing for this podcast to talk to you. How did that come about, you know, creating this, uh, this three-year bond to support this, this goal? And why are you the only funder? Well, it's interesting. So we had invested in some World Bank green bond focused on the other issue I mentioned a few moments ago, climate, mm-hmm. and that you mentioned with respect to the glaciers, climate change. Um, and we were sitting down with World Bank officials doing sort of a normal due diligence meeting involving those green bonds when they said to us, we know you do a lot of work on gender. Would you be interested in a gender-themed bond? And we said we would. And they said we want to, the World Bank wanted to fund more gender-related initiatives and the proceeds would be used to fund those initiatives. So we said, sure. So we sat down with them. We started working with them uh, as well as Morgan Stanley. And over about three or four months, we put together the bond. And we were, we were the sole investor in that bond. I think there will be more. So this is a new program. But interesting to me is that, you know, the World Bank was created in the aftermath of World War II. It has really two purposes, to eradicate extreme poverty and to create shared prosperity. And right now, 51% of their commitments around the globe were programs and initiatives that they're funding. 51% are gender-related. In other words, here you have the the organization that was created to alleviate poverty after World War II, and they understand that the way to do that is to invest in women and girls. And so this green bond is a great way for the World Bank to communicate and, and, and for investors to participate in programs and initiatives that focus on this, that, that really are focused on this point being that the key to sustainable development, or one of the keys to sustainable development, um, is full equality for women and girls. Excellent. Yeah, I think this is so very important. And I'm very excited about this bond and that you guys have funded it and, and are doing this good work. So um, you partially answered my my last big question for you but i'm gonna kind of put you on the spot here and and i know gender equality is really really important to you and and it's clearly not the only issue you care about um or anyone should should just care about but if you had to pick your top two other important sustainable issues that would round out your top three and I, i know it's a different difficult question to only pick three sustainable issues that you care about, but what would those other two be? And, and you partially answered it earlier. So what are the top three things that you think are important in terms of sustainability? Yeah, I think the two most important issues are climate and, and gender equality. So, I, so one of those two would be climate change, because as I said, yeah. it's an existential 
issue for the planet. Absolutely. And for every yeah. species on the planet. But in addition to climate change and gender inequality, I think the most profound challenge of our time, or one of the three most profound challenges globally, is inequality. We are producing more and more wealth. We are Mm. unleashing new technologies every day. And the wealth that's being produced as a result of those technologies, the wealth that's being produced globally now in, in all kinds of society, is distributed more and more inequitably every day. So the gap between rich and poor. It's widening. The middle class is disappearing. I think um, the global economy has to attend to this. Yeah. I don't think the I don't think we can go on for long if this this sort of maldistribution of wealth continues at the pace we're going now, where there are very rich and increasing numbers of poor and a vanishing middle class in the middle. So I think sustainable investors need to start focusing more on those issues, and it includes not only things like gender pay equity, but you know living wage you know, supply chain issues and so forth. I think that is going to be one of the great issues of the next decade or two was as inequality and how to resolve it and, and how to address it globally. So I would put that as my third issue. Excellent. You know, it's interesting. I um, had Garvin J. Bush of Green Alpha on here last month, and he gave me very similar responses. So I'm seeing a trend. <laughs> I know Garvin. I'm glad we think yeah. alike. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. a good so guy. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very similar trend in, in terms of important issues that we're, we're needing to focus on in our sustainability world. So the, I, I just want to say in terms of um, PACs and how important the, these funds are, we use, uh, I think, every single fund that you have in our portfolios that we manage for our clients. It's, it's very, very important to us. Uh, so, so we hope that folks who are listening to the podcast will use your funds. We use them, get, can get them through us. Um, but they also um, can go directly to PACs if they want to. They are no-load funds, so people can can buy them without paying commissions, which we love. I mean, of course, everything they do with us is, you know, there's no commission on that. We, I mean, we do charge a fee if people want to invest with us. We do um, asset management fee-only services on our end, but they can use PACs as a no-load fund investment option, of course, right? Anything else you'd like to say right. about impacts and PAX funds? Well, you know, just basically, you know, as you know, in your in your business, Kim, and in our, ours, I mean, I, I really believe that increasingly investors, particularly younger investors, particularly women investors, but growing numbers of investors really want their investments to be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. Yes. They want their investments to go to companies that are, are making a positive difference in the world. And sustainable investing, ESG investing, call it what you want, it's a way that people can do that, that they can not only get market returns and and do as well as any other investment style, but your money is doing positive things at the same time. And I think more and more people want that to be the case. They want their investments and their values aligned and not in conflict. And we really give investors an opportunity to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And as a reminder to our listeners, they can reach us um, by email at info at horizonssfs.com or by phone 505-982-9661. Again, I want to thank you, Joe, so much for being here on my podcast, Joe Keefe with Impacts Asset Management. Anything else you want to add, Joe? Just thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you, and and, uh, I enjoyed seeing you a month or two ago, and and I hope all is well, and I'd love to be back sometime. Great. Hopefully we can have you back and 
we'll, we'll think of something else interesting to talk about. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. All right, guys, this was great. Thank you so much for bringing Joe on. Again, I know every time we get together, I'm going to learn a ton. And, uh, oh, man, I've got a lot to discuss with my wife tonight. So this is good. I like it. (laughs) Thank you, Eric. (laughs) You bet, Joe. Thank you so much for being a great guest. And I want to thank the audience. Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And I say this on every podcast, but this is a great one to share. What a, what a great discussion to start and, and have with somebody. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. To ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash horizons sustainable financial services or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only. You and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of New Mexico and other jurisdictions were registered or exempted. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.